The first reading is taken from Psalm 98, verses 1 to 9. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Our second Bible reading is taken from Isaiah 52, verses 7 to 10. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Well, good evening. It's lovely to see you, and it's lovely to be here amongst you. It's also uh, lovely to have the opportunity to share in the series that you're, uh, you're having in Meeting Jesus. And this evening we're meeting Jesus at his feet. Jesus calls us to sit at his feet. Now, feet are amazing structure of the body. And uh, if you've had a newborn, uh, no doubt you'll have counted the fingers and toes, and um, they're quite fascinating things. And I've seen a good number of feet over my years as a, a nurse, and they're certainly uh, all shapes and sizes. And uh, so <laughs> there they are, different feet. There's some interesting facts about feet. You might not be able to uh, read all of those, but uh, the foot contains 26 bones, 33 joints, 10 tendons, 19 muscles, 107 ligaments, and a whopping 250,000 sweat glands. And these can produce as much as a half a pint of moisture a day. Obviously, they have to support a person's body weight, and they're apparently measured in barley corns three barley corns to an inch, and this was devised by King Edward uh, in 1324. And uh, there's a third of an inch to each shoe size. And they use a Brannock device, which is still used today. Now, the world's largest feet size 28 and a half in the US. A bit tricky trying to get some shoes, I guess. Now, the average person takes 10,000 steps a day, 115,000 miles in a lifetime, uh, or circle the world world four times. Yeah, probably the world, (laughs) that number of times. Now, the average woman walks three miles more per day than the average male. Just mention that. 
And not many people apparently think that their feet are beautiful. One in five women are embarrassed by them. Anyway, just by way of introduction. But we have heard and read in Isaiah, he says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him. It says those there, but Hebrew is singular of, of him who brings good news. That's not a physical beauty that he's speaking of, but it's because they bring good news. The gospel. Initially, a messenger is sent to the exiles of Judah in Babylon. God had promised through the prophets that the exile would not be the end, that he would do something, that he would again deliver them. The question was when. The people were hopeful, anticipating. There on the horizon was a messenger coming with good news. He proclaims peace. It is good news. He says we are saved. The prophecy reminds them that God reigns that he will return and that he will redeem Jerusalem. Now, this prophecy also referred to the coming king, Jesus. Jesus was and is God reigning. He preached that the kingdom of God was at hand when Jesus came. And he told told the people to repent and believe the good news. And Jesus knew, uh, the Jews knew what was meant by the kingdom of God because their scriptures had taught about it. He told them the kingdom was among them. We also see that Jesus was and is God returning. The Old Testament prophecies had said, your God will come. The blind will see, the lame will walk, the deaf will hear. And Jesus quotes this from Isaiah 35, and he tells them, yes, the blind will see, the lame will walk, and the deaf will hear. God had indeed come, and he promises to come again. And then we know, too, that Jesus was and is God the Redeemer, The arm of the Lord was laid bare, stretched out on the cross. God in Jesus, acting to bring about redemption and salvation. Jesus was not only the messenger, but the content of the message. Now, Jesus' feet would have walked thousands of miles to share the gospel. That the kingdom of God had come to tell of God's faithfulness, his goodness, and his love. And we read that the people were amazed. In Mark uh, chapter 1, it says, The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. And then again, it says, When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. 
What's this wisdom that has been given to him that he does even miracles? Crowds thronged to hear him, to hear him teaching. They took time traveling. They spent hours with him. Just think of the story of the the feeding of the 5,000. But as we look in the scriptures, we see that many came to Jesus and either sat or fell at his feet. And he met them at their point of need. And he invites us, calls us too, to sit at his feet. One writer, uh, Jerry Shirley, lists seven things we will find if we're willing to take time to sit. We will find, firstly, a place of forgiveness. A woman who had led a sinful life had heard Jesus preached. She repented and came and anointed his feet out of gratitude and love on the understanding that she could be forgiven. There's a place of healing. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. And it's a place of learning. Martha opened her home to Jesus. She had a sister called Mary, as we know, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Then it's a place of prayer. Jairus fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little girl is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Then it's a place of thanksgiving. Jesus healed ten lepers. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then we find it's a place of rest. Jesus cast out demons uh, from a man, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Then we find that it's a place of worship. John, when he was a prisoner on the Isle of Patmos, had a vision of Christ. He said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, the living one. In each, <clears throat> excuse me, in each of these circumstances, The person recognized Jesus for who he was, the Messiah, and acknowledged his divine majesty by falling or sitting at his feet. They were aware of their unworthiness, their sinfulness, and yet came nonetheless, knowing they would not be turned away. 
each encountered the extravagant love of the Father through his Son. And Jesus longs for us to come to him, to sit with him, to receive from him and to learn from him. But more than that, he longs for us to enjoy him for who he is, not just because of what he can give. He wants to meet with each of us, to satisfy us with his love, to fill us with joy through his presence and infuse us with grace for all he has for us. I'm sure that if Jesus had had a mobile phone, he no doubt would have had numerous interruptions from calls and texts during his travels. But the question is, do we answer his call? Do we respond to his text? Or are we too busy? Do we even hear it? And I know over the years, sharing with different folk how difficult it is to make the time to just sit. And I know myself yet still find it a challenge to practice what I preach. And there are questions, you know, why do we find it so difficult? Maybe you don't, <laughs> but I know I do. And, uh, and it, it is, you know, asking those questions, why do I find, find it so difficult? But you see, there may be other reasons we would rather not sit at his feet than just being too busy. Perhaps we feel ashamed of what we've done, how life has turned out, just the constant failing to sit. Perhaps we're fearful that if you sit, you will be shown things you would really rather not know or acknowledge. Perhaps you're fearful you would need to surrender areas of your life that actually you would rather not. But Jesus invites us to come just as we are, with our failings, with our weariness, with our depression, with our mind wanderings, to come just as we are. So that the real you and the real me can meet with the real God. I was thinking of this, that, you know, a little child who's been playing outside and perhaps has got grubby and the dad comes home. You know, we don't expect the child to, to go and clean, clean up and change before she runs to her dad. The dad hopefully will embrace her and hug her just as she is. And Paul Miller, found quite an interesting writer, writes in Prayer Life, Connecting with God in a Distracting World. He says, bringing your real self to Jesus, you give him the opportunity to work on the real you, and you will slowly change. The kingdom will come, will be changed into the likeness of his son. And he says, if God is sovereign, then he (laughs) then he is in control of all the details of my life. If he is loving, then he's going to shape the details of my life for my good. 
if he's all wise, then he's not going to do everything I want because I don't know what I need. If he is patient, then he's going to take time to do all this. And when we put all this together, we have a divine story. It's a divine story that God wants to weave in our lives. And we can only find out what his story is and see how he is working things out when we spend time with him. And again, I know uh, many years ago, um, probably a little more spoken of as having a, having a quiet time and uh, the uh, mnemonic where you had the acts, you know, the adoration, confession, and thanksgiving, and supplication, and you felt that, you know, you had to do all this in one go, and, uh, you know, think, well, by the time you finish all day, you be there all, all day. And that, I mean, sometimes you can end up not doing it. But when there's a change of focus, and we actually want to meet with Jesus as the person, that Jesus is the focus, we meet with him rather than focusing on the doing, then it becomes easier. I've just uh, met with a friend, uh, just come back from Glasgow, uh, a friend who I worked with about 30 years ago, um, more, over in Crawley, and uh, she lives in Glasgow, and I haven't seen her for about 10 years. So there, there was that thinking, you know, well, what, we, what we're going to talk about and how we're going to get on. But as soon as we met, the, the years disappeared, and uh, it, it was a lovely time just to, uh, to be together, to catch up. Uh, it wasn't a case of thinking, what am I going to say? Um, you know, how, how are we going to get on? It, it, just, it just happened because it was enjoyed as a friendship um, together. And that is how it should be with Jesus. As our friend our focuses on him and not worrying what we're going to say or what we're going to do. You see, if we look at Jesus' life, he was busy. He needed to create time to be with his father. And he tells us he only did or said what his father had told him. He couldn't do life without spending time with his father. And he knows we can't either. He tells us, apart from me, you can do nothing. He's inviting us into his life of a living dependence on his father. Now, we can pray on the go, and, and that is no bad thing. Um, since I've had a, uh, my dog, um, which some of you may know about, Oscar, um, I enjoy the walks, and I use that time to, uh, to pray while I'm, while I'm walking, and I, I find that really helpful. But it's a bit like a Big Mac on the run. It's not quite the same as sharing a meal with those you love, spending time talking, laughing, sharing, learning, getting to know more intimately. And our culture um, doesn't really lend itself. Um, we have our meals and maybe try and rush through our, our different courses, whereas um, maybe in, in Europe or Africa, the meals more leisurely, sharing those family times. But it's that kind of intimacy that Jesus wants He wants to join us for dinner, not a Big Mac on the run. In Revelation 3, verse 20, he says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with that person and they with me. Paul Miller says, You don't create intimacy, you make room for it. You need space to be together. 
And the trouble is inefficiency and multitasking and busyness all kill intimacy, whether it's with a spouse or with a friend or with God. In the story of Martha and Mary, Martha, we are told, had opened her home to Jesus and endeavoured to be a good hostess, but ended up distressed, distracted and ignoring him. In fact, getting cross with Jesus as well as her sister. Mary, on the other hand, sat at his feet to listen to him and did her best to love him. In that place at Jesus' feet, she found acceptance and true contentment. So often in our zeal to serve him, we too can end up ignoring him. Jesus told Martha, Mary had chosen what was better and it would not be taken away from her. Mary wasn't told to go and prepare supper. And then, when I first had my puppy, he's more than that, two years now, but you know, he was just at my feet, and it was just so lovely, just sitting there. Now he's sitting on the sofa, and he might put his head on my lap, and uh, he just sits there, we sit there together, and it's just lovely. You see, when we spend time in Jesus' presence, sitting at his feet. Unlike those people we we looked at earlier, those in the Gospels, we see his pierced feet and we're reminded of the lengths he went to to enable us to come to his Father, to our Father. And as we learn from him, reading about his life, reading the accounts in the Bible, we can begin to see how he is working in our lives, teaching us, challenging us, helping us to see how we need to change, how we are to interact with others, how we are to help others, how we can best pray into situations. You see, if we don't spend time with him and in his word, how can we share a word with others? How can our lives reflect Christ for others to encounter? It's a balance between the word and the spirit. And Paul takes the verse from Isaiah. And he says, I'm going to glasses. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The Lord is the Lord of them all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. When we sit at his feet, we become aware that we live in the presence of a loving father, in his world built for divine relationships between people as he weaves his story between each of our lives. We have a hope, a purpose. Our feet become beautiful, when we sit at his, will we answer his call?
will we meet him at his feet? It just encourages us to wait on him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him, those who sit at his feet.